Hey, thank you for taking the time to listen or watch this today. Before we dive into the sermon, I just wanted to personally invite you to Easter with us this year. We're meeting at Gallatin High School. We have three different service times. We have a service on Saturday night at 5 p.m., Sunday morning at 9 and 10.45 a.m. And we would love to have you. And so consider this your invitation to join us. Bring your family, bring your friends. We have kids ministry from birth all the way through fifth grade. Pelican Snowballs is gonna be there with us. But here's the thing, the most important thing is that you're gonna hear a message about Jesus, that He resurrected from the grave, and you're gonna get to encounter God through a powerful time of worship. And we want you to be a part of it. And so if you're watching this and you're anywhere within driving distance, I want you to get to Gallatin High School this Easter with us. If you're watching this from somewhere else and there's no way you can make it with us, I wanna encourage you. Yeah, get to church on Easter. Find a local church to be a part of. Find a local church to join in celebrating our resurrected Savior. We hope to see you then. But now, here's the message. Anybody excited to be in the house today? Yeah, hey, thank you to everybody who is watching online as well. But I'm telling you, uh, man, there is something different about being in the house of God. Amen. Man, where people are worshiping and hands are lifted and all of a sudden you realize that what you're going through is not just you, but there's some people around you that identify and something in your heart begins to stir up, amen? I love what Psalm 92, 13 says. It's the New King James. I have it memorized this way. Here's what he says. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And uh, I believe that today. I believe God wants you to flourish and and today, here's what I wanna do. I'm not really preaching so much as pastor, at church member, or attender. Today, what I wanna do is I really wanna talk to you as someone who knows they've been called by God to people who need to know they've been called by God. And I just wanna have this conversation today. It's something I'm passionate about. It's something that God has been stirring in me and in the life of our church for months at a time. Some of you may have even heard this content if you've been through our essentials course, but. Really, I just echo Paul, what Paul says in Ephesians 4.1, where he says, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And I don't know if you know this yet, but follower of Jesus, you've been called by God. God has set you apart. And God crafted you and He created you and He's empowered you and he wants to release you to go out into the world and make a difference. And today I just wanna, I just wanna speak to that area a little bit and I just wanna talk to you around these two thoughts because here's what I believe and if you're taking notes, this is the title. I believe you're called to flourish. Come on, find somebody next to you and tell them you're called to flourish. Come on, find your, your other choice, the second neighbor, the one you don't like as much, tell them you're called to flourish. You're called to flourish. Let's go to God now, if you will, stretch a hand towards heaven. Wherever you're watching online, just open your heart to God. Father, we thank you for being here today. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing, and what you wanna do. So God, I pray today that as we open up your word, we know it doesn't return void, but God, would you, would you just make it practical so that we can actually know what you've called us to, so we can actually flourish in life. We love you so much. We thank you. And in Jesus' mighty name, everybody who believed is set. Come on, everybody set. Hey, find some, how to, say hi to somebody next to you. Give them a high five, a handshake, a hug, or a kiss. Don't kiss nobody you don't know. If I haven't met you, my name is Cody. I'm the pastor here. And I'm um, so excited you would spend some time with us. Listen, um, I have a question. Have, have, you ever, have you ever found yourself contemplating 
your calling? You ever wondered, right, why you're here? I, I think whether you're a Christian or not, there comes a point in all of our life where we spend time trying to answer that question, why am I here? And what was I made to do? And I think for a lot of us, we know that there's maybe more to life than what we've experienced, but we don't really know yet what that is. And we all have those moments where we, we wanna know. And early on, maybe you pursued the answer to that question. And what happens, unfortunately, over time is that dream you had or that vision you had for your life, somewhere on the journey called life, it just kind of seemed to grow faint. It died. And now a lot of us, we feel like we're kind of on this treadmill and every single day is just the same old thing. And somewhere down the line, you kind of lost that pursuit of purpose. And you began to kind of believe that the thing that you felt like you may have been made to do, you're not doing it now. And so you feel like that your calling is really dead. And there's a place in America, it's the hottest and driest place in the country. It's known as Death Valley. And Death Valley, it never rains there. No one lives there. Nothing ever grows there. But then something happened in the winter of 2004. No one saw it coming. But really the first time, seven inches of rain fell in a really short amount of time. And of course, nothing happened initially but something crazy happened in the spring of 2005. This is what Death Valley looked like then. Death Valley is now covered in a bed of flowers. This place that they said was dead, that, that was dry, that nothing would ever grow there. And here's what they discovered about Death Valley that day. The Death Valley wasn't dead, but Death Valley was dormant. And all along, there was these seeds of potential right underneath the surface that if they just got in the right environment, they could actually flourish to their full potential. Some of you know where I'm going with this. Some of you are in a Death Valley situation in life right now, and God has put you here in a dead marriage, in a dead job where you feel there's no hope, there's no purpose, and he put you here to pour out his presence onto your life to let you know you weren't called to be dead, you were called to flourish. You were created for something more. And our God is in the business of taking things that look dead and bringing them back to life. Can I get a good amen? amen. So some of you are here and, and maybe your dream has died or maybe the vision has died and you felt like your, your purpose has died with it. And you don't know why you're here. But I, I'm just here to tell you and to remind you that God has you here on purpose and for a purpose. That's a good place to say amen. And you've heard scriptures, right? Like Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know, God says this, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And it's almost like when I hear that, there's a lot of people who will quote that. And maybe like me, you've kind of asked that question and you, you read that scripture and you're going, God says, I know the plans I have for you. But I think a lot of us are going, but God, I don't know the plans you have for me. Anybody else? Yeah. Like, God, I'm glad you know it, but what about me? I, I still don't know that plan. And a lot of us, we tend to live our life there. It's almost as if most people, 
They know they, that, that God has called them to flourish and they know they were made for more, but they just haven't figured out what that is quite yet. Maybe you can relate. And, and the good news is this, is that God's plan for your life is not a secret. And a lot of times we figure out, we, we think that God is kind of playing hide and seek with us as if it's something that he doesn't want us to know and we just live our whole life chasing after things that don't matter. But the good news in Psalm 16 says this, that you, God, you will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so the good news is, is God actually wants to show you the path. And so a lot of us, listen, we're on a path, but we just don't really understand the purpose of it. No matter who you are, we're all on this journey. We're all in different places of life. And so what I want to do today really is I want to kind of show you what I believe is the four things, the four big, big kind of markers or steps all throughout scripture that God's wanted for all of humanity for all of time. And as I talk today, what I want to challenge you to do is I just want you to listen, maybe figure out where you are in this journey. Uh, you're going you're gonna to hear some things. And as, as I talk, you're going to go, that's where I'm at. Because then what we're going to do is we're actually going to help you take that next step. So I'm gonna get really clear about maybe what that next step is if you find yourself in one of these four places. And what I wanna do is I wanna to go to Ephesians chapter one where Paul, this guy who's a, an apostle, a church planter, he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus. And if you don't understand that concept, Paul kind of planted a church in Ephesus and Corinth and, and Philippi and he kind of planted churches all over the region of what we would call today modern day Turkey. And as Paul planted these churches, what he liked to do is as he would kind of move on, he would write letters back to them. And as he wrote those letters, he would encourage them. And he would give them sound doctrine. He would challenge them. Sometimes even correct them. And so Paul starts off this letter in Ephesians chapter one to this church, this young church plant. And I just imagine he's writing it to us today. And he starts out and says, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Come on, find the neighbor, tell him I'm praying for you. Come on, find somebody else, say, I'm praying for you. And let me just pause here and say, I don't know if you know, but I actually do pray for you, many of you by name. And maybe you haven't been to church in a long time and you walk in and you're wondering if you're here. Can I just tell you, you're an answer to somebody's prayer today. Amen. We have a team of people who pray every single week for people to sit in these seats and encounter the presence of God and know what it means to be planted in the house so they can flourish in life. So Paul starts this letter out and he says, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And here's what he says, verse 17. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I can just hear the urgency and the passion in Paul's voice. So I just want you to get it. And today, I'm trying to contain myself just a little bit, and I may look a little calm on the surface, but I'm kind of like a duck that looks really calm as they swim, but their feet are going 100 miles per hour under the water. You know what I'm talking about? And I can hear Paul just going, I want you to get this. I want you to understand. I want you to have a revelation. I want you to get what I'm trying to tell you. Here's what he says. So that you may know him better. That you may know him. I want you to get a revelation today of what it means to actually know God. And when Paul wrote this, he used the Greek word gnosko. And, and, and you don't say amen to that because a lot of times we talk about knowing God and we live in the South and everybody knows God. No. But Paul is saying, he's saying, no, 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 I'm not talking about a religion. 
I'm, gnosko is this intimate term to really know somebody. It's the same term used in the Hebrew back in Genesis 3 when Adam knew his wife Eve. It's a, not a sexual term, but an intimate term. He says, and I really just want you to get this revelation that this whole thing is not about a religion. It's not about a to-do list. It's not about just acting the part and doing the rules. What I really want you to get a revelation on is that you can have a personal relationship with this God. He says, and I want you to get that. And today, that's really kind of the first step. And some of you haven't known what it meant to really know God. This is just something you do. And then he says this, this kind of goes to the second step, and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, which is interesting. He says, the eyes of your heart. Well, well Paul, what do you mean? Because my eyes ain't on my heart, my eyes are on my head. So what's he talking about? See, you see what he's getting you to understand is that how you see things, you're in this room today, and you're not seeing things through these, you're seeing things through this. That everything you look at, you're not looking at through your eyes, you're looking at through your heart. And what Paul is saying is, I want your heart to be enlightened. I love how Eugene Peterson translates it in the message. He says, I want your heart focused and clear. Because see, there's some things in your heart that's keeping you from seeing things the way God wants you to see them. There's some things about your past. Everybody's seeing things through their relationships through their good experience, through their bad experience, through church hurt, through pain. We all kind of see things. And so you walk into a room like this and everybody is seeing the same thing right now, but you're seeing it differently. Some of you walk in and you come to a church like this and, and maybe you grew up in church and it was traditional and, and you know, they had the, the pastor with a three-piece suit on and everybody was kind of judgmental and it was all about the do's and the don'ts and the rules and really legalistic. And so you walk in kind of carrying that and you go in and you're going, man, this is a breath of fresh air. Like, I feel welcomed. I, I feel like this is awesome. I feel like the spirit of God is in this room and this is the greatest church you've ever been to in your life. And that's what some of you see. And others of you walk in and you go, is this really necessary? <laughs> is it really necessary to have a duck dressed as American flag on the screen? Is it really necessary to have loud music? Is it really necessary to have haze machines and lights and people clapping and jumping up around? Because for you, you don't need all that to worship God. You don't need people clapping and jumping up and down. You're looking at the same thing, but you're seeing it differently. Yeah. Some of you are looking at me right now and you walked in and you're like, man, that guy don't look like a normal pastor. Praise God. <laughs> and others of you are saying the same thing. That guy don't look like a normal pastor. He looks like a fool. Why? Because there's something in your heart. And what Paul is saying is, listen, now I want the eyes of your heart to get healed. And some of you, that's where you're at today. You can't really help other people because there's some things that still need help in you. There's some, there's some problems that you haven't yet dealt with. And he said, I want you to deal with those things in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. But you're called by God. And Paul does something interesting there. He connects hope and calling. And here's why. Because you will never know what you were called to do until you find the hope that is in God and God alone. That's why I love my job, because people are looking for purpose. Everybody in here is trying to figure out why they're here. Mark Twain says it like this. He says that the two most important days in someone's life is the day they were born and the day they found out why. 
So everybody here is looking for this, and I got good news. There is a way, but it's not how America tells you. It's not all the things out there, but it's something in here with a God up there and right here. So you got to know the hope to which he has called you. And then he says this, and I want you to know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So I need you to get this. You have an inheritance. God actually wants you to be rich. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about something more valuable than money. You, you have an inheritance. God has placed you here on purpose. And I'm not just talking about an inheritance in heaven. Because see, some of you think that the purpose of life is just to follow Jesus in order to get to heaven. But listen, that's not all God wants for you. And I know that because if that's all God wanted for you and you just get to heaven, then why are you still here on earth? because there's a job for you to do. He wants you to experience the fullness of joy in his pleasures here on earth. So that you may be asking, well, what's my inheritance then? Because yeah, it's heaven. What's this other type of inheritance that he talks about in his holy people? Well, Psalm two tells us. Psalm two says, I will give you the nations as your inheritance. What does that mean? It means your inheritance is people. And that's the fourth step to figure out how to do life alongside people who know their purpose and know they were created for something more. So maybe as I was talking through those kind of four different parts about really knowing him, really getting your heart right and some of those things in your past dealt with and figuring out your calling, maybe that's where you're at. Or maybe you're, you're here because it's time for you to really actually make a difference in the life of other people. I don't know where you're at, but here's what I want to do. You, you probably know, and there was something that resonated with you as I talked. So I'm just going to give you the clear next step for you. And so for some of you, you're here, and this is the first time, if not in a long time or, or ever, that you've been in church. And as I talked around that idea of really knowing God, you're here and you go, I, I, I know about God, but I don't really know him like you're talking about. So let me give you your first step in order to flourish. It's simple, it's to follow Jesus. It's to follow Jesus. And there's one word I think that really summarizes that process and what that means and what that looks like. And it's this word, surrender. It's to surrender your will to his will. It's to surrender your ways to his ways. It's to surrender your life so that you can experience his. Today, maybe you're here because you, you need to learn this and, and you need a revelation like I got a revelation. You need somebody to share this verse with you the way somebody shared it with me. When I thought I knew Jesus, but I didn't really know Jesus. Now, I remember this guy sitting in my dorm room and he read to me Matthew chapter seven as Jesus is finishing up his sermon on the Mount and as Jesus looks out at the crowds and he looks to his disciples and he gives them this picture, he says this. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh-oh, not everybody who says I'm Lord is gonna enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. And many will say to me on that day, on judgment day, the day you meet God face to face, God, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name? And then Jesus says, and I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Gnosko, there it is again, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. 
And I remember the revelation I had as I heard that passage for the first time. Because here were a group of people who one day had this picture that they're going to get to heaven. And when they get there, they're going to stand before a holy God. And God's going to ask them something along of why you should be in here. Why should you have eternal life in my presence? And they're going to give them a list of things they did. No one know about you. But I ain't never casted out no demons. Anybody else? I remember hearing that for the first time. And I was like, look, I thought that the way to heaven was by, was by doing good, coming to church. This is the modern day equivalent. Serving, using my gifts, maybe giving something. And when I read this and Jesus goes, listen, there's people who will do a lot more than what I'm doing right now on earth. I, I had this revelation of, man, I actually don't know him. And Jesus says, because I don't know you in an intimate, personal way, you missed it. My prayer is that you would have this revelation of what it means to have a real, authentic relationship with God, not just a religion. Can I get an amen, somebody? So a lot of you, listen, that's your next step. And let me just give you a challenge. And I don't know what, I don't know what it is about challenges right now, probably because it's March and we've all failed at our New Year's resolutions by now. So let me just give you some new ones, okay? Let me give you a challenge that if maybe that's your next step, or maybe you don't even know. Maybe you go, yeah, I'm not there yet, but I think you're talking to me. Let me just give you a challenge. In fact, I'll just challenge everybody to a one-year challenge. And here it is. One year, go all in. Here's what I mean. Show up to church every week. If you're home and you're healthy, you're here. Jump on a team and serve. Begin giving. Join a small group. Come to serve day. Invite people to church. Invite people to Easter. Every time the doors are open for a worship night or a prayer night or a conference, I want you to get here. And here's what I'll tell you. That if you will plant yourself in the house of the Lord, you will flourish. And I'll say this, after one year, if you aren't flourishing in life more than you are right now, I'll find another church with you because I believe this. It's the same reason why you will sign your kid up to play t-ball while he picks flowers in the outfield. <laughs> right? And you know what you'll do? You'll take them to every practice. You'll make sure they don't miss a game. And they don't even know their name yet. <laughs> they don't even know where they're at. They're hitting the ball and they're running with the bat all around the bases trying to swing at people. But what will you do? You will show up for an entire season, week in and week out, because what you know that over time, they'll start to catch it and they'll get it. And then all of a sudden they start to get better at it. How much more would be true about you that if you would decide to just plant yourself in a place that's gonna preach the word of God, gonna lead you in a place of worship, gonna give you some people to do it with, tell me you won't flourish. So a lot of you, that is your next step. And here's the deal. A lot of you have taken it. Yeah. A lot of you are followers of Jesus. You have given him. You've surrendered your life to him. But a lot of you think that that's the finish line. I got news for you. That ain't the finish line. That's the starting point. Right. And a lot of us just live our life there. Well, I'm a Christian. Just waiting to go to heaven. <laughs> but you never do anything else. And you never actually help anybody else because there's still some things inside of you. I need to get healed. Because listen, just because God can take you out of Egypt doesn't mean Egypt's out of you. There's still some issues. You got an issue. I got an issue. We all got issues. And if you don't know your issue, guess what? That's your issue. So the question then is, how do you deal with your issues? And here's what a lot of people do. They don't. 
They'll say things that sound cute. Oh, time heals everything. That ain't in the Bible. Time heals. What? Then why are you still struggling with something that happened 20 years ago and it's impacting every relationship of your life? If time just heals everything, then why do, why do we walk around with so much trauma and so much pain? Because it's going to take more than just time. Time don't heal everything, but God can. And so listen to me. And, and here's the other thing people do. How are you dealing with your issues? How are you, how are you overcoming your past? Here's what people will say. Well, I'm just praying about it. And, and here's what I just want to say real gently. That's awesome. Prayer's a huge part of that. But that's not all of it. Yeah. And so here's the good news. God has a solution. But the bad news for some of us is that it's not just God. That's why James says this in James 5. He says, confess your sins not to God. He says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. So here's what that means. You go to God for forgiveness, but you go to God's people to find healing. Yeah. And so a lot of us, we've never found healing from our past. Healing from what? Healing from our past? Healing from our problems? Healing from people? Good Lord. <laughs> healing from ourselves. And the reason why is because you're just doing it alone. And what God designed is he created you for community. And that's the second step. For those of you who haven't overcome your past, you need to find community. Because you weren't made to do this thing alone. Listen to me. You can never find purpose in the future when you're constantly looking at life through the lens of your past. And so a lot of you, you're not, you're not kind of taking this third step we're going to talk about and, and doing what God made you to do because the things that you're trying to do, you're still captivated by what's still behind you and you need to find community. So let me just put the cookies on the bottom shelf, give you an easy step. That means you need to join a small group. And listen, I'm not talking about another Bible study. There's more to small groups than Bible study. Bible studies are great. You need a Bible study. That's not what I'm talking about. Because a lot of you, you're trying to get more information and what you need is a person. You, you need people who you can be real with. You, you need to join a group. And here's what might happen. You may decide, okay, that's where I'm at. That's the step I need to take. I'm gonna join a group. And you join a group and you go to the first one and you think, these are not my people. <laughs> and so you need to leave that group and you need to find another group. If you can't find a group for your people, maybe that's God tapping you on the shoulder saying you need to start one. Let me just give you a heads up. You will not be best friends with everybody in the group. Can I just maybe set a realistic expectation? If you join this church, you ain't gonna know everybody in it. But you can know a few. And out of that group, there might be two or three if you're blessed to have a close relationship with. And some of you, in order to find freedom, you need to find community and you need to go into a group. And before that group ends, you need to pull that person aside and go, I need to be real with you about something. And you need to take that mask off because a lot of you people have fallen in love with the mask, but they don't know you. And here's the fear, right? The fear is, is that when you take the mask off and people see the real you, they won't love the real you. Everybody in here wants to be loved. Everybody in here wants to be valued for who they really are. Then why don't we show people who we really are? And so the fear is, is well, they won't, they'll reject me. I've been rejected before. You're looking at it through a blurry lens because people are the way you find freedom from your past. And what you'll find out is as you take the mask off and get honest with somebody else and you thought they were gonna judge you, 
at least at this church, they're gonna look at you and go, you too? I thought I was the only one who dealt with that. I thought our marriage was the only one struggling. I thought I was the only one addicted to porn. I thought I was the one that was drowning in debt. And all of a sudden you realize that you're not in this thing alone. And now you can actually find freedom. And again, some of you have taken that step. You're in a small group. And you know what I'm talking about. But here's what I would say the majority of Christians in America and in the church as a whole, this is where a lot of people live and it's this third step. Some of you need to take that step today and that's this, it's to discover purpose. It's to discover why you were made and what you were made to do. I'd say 80% 80 of you, in fact, one study shows that 87% of the body of Christ, they don't know what body part they are. Think about that for a second. If 87% of your body didn't know what it was supposed to do, you wouldn't be living right now. And then we wonder why the church is so dysfunctional. Maybe it's because the body within it doesn't know their function. People don't know why they do what they're supposed to do. It's why Paul says this in, in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So that that means is, it means you got a part to play. And then he says this later on in Romans. He says, for just as each one of us have one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and look, and each member belongs to all the others. I need you to get this today. So you're, you're part of something bigger than yourself. And yeah, you can be a Christian without coming to church, but you will not do what God made you to do if you're not connected to the rest of the body. And some of you are a hand, and you, you've been wondering why you're frustrated. And it's because your hand ain't connected to an arm. And your arm ain't connected to a shoulder. And you wonder why you're in the same place you were 10 years ago and you're not flourishing. And it might be because it's time for you to discover why you were made. And he says this, for just as each of us have one body of many members, we're all a part of it. And then 1 Peter 4 says this, it says all of us have been given different gifts. And you're to use those gifts to serve other people. So you listen to me, you have a gift. And that word gift is the word charis. It's where we get the term charismatic. It's a grace gift. So here's what that means, look in my eyes. It means that there is something inside of you beneath that dead, hard, cold, burnout surface that when you do it, something comes alive in you. And when you do it, it makes a difference in the life of other people. And you know this, there's something inside of you that God put there. And here's why, because Ephesians 2.10, the next chapter in, in, in Ephesians, Paul says this, for we are God's workmanship, or his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I need you to get this, because what this scripture is actually saying is that God gave you a purpose before he made you. That God actually created you to do something. He didn't create you and go, I wonder what they're gonna do in life. No, he says, I got the thing for you to do first, and then I created you, which is why you gotta figure out your design, because your design reveals your destiny. 
So you got to figure out why I'm here on this planet because God put you here on purpose. And here's what I know. It says he prepared it. Here's what that means. God is preparing you for what God prepared for you. Oh, that's good preaching. I'm gonna say that again. God is preparing you for what God has prepared for you. Can I get an amen? And listen, when you figure out who you are and who God made you to be, then you can do what God made you to do. You can do the thing that you know is deep inside of you that comes alive. Gotta go on a pursuit of this. And if you don't, you'll end up chasing things that don't matter. It reminds me of um, when I was a teenager. Uh, my family went on a vacation. There's five kids, two parents. And uh, we went to Panama City Beach, Florida. Is any Panama City Beach people in the house? Okay, nobody. Y'all are all bougie and go to 38. Good for you. Well, I grew up going to Panama City. And um, I remember one time we were down there and uh, my stepmom had this idea, I, I guess because she was annoyed or the water was too rough and kind of got tired of trying to mingle 10 kids at the beach. And so she decided we we're gonna take a little road trip about an hour outside of Panama City to the dog track. Any, any rednecks up in the house been to the dog track? Come on, somebody. All right, so she took us to the dog track. And if you've never been to a dog race, it's like a horse race, probably like what you see on TV, kind of like NASCAR, but with dogs. And so what they did is on the inside of this, this dog track, there, there is a rail that goes around it. And on the rail has a mechanical rabbit. And so what the dogs would do is they'd be pinned back and, and this mechanical rabbit would go shooting around this arena and as the mechanical ran around the rail that they would let the dogs out and the dogs would chase the rabbit. Well, the story goes at one time, they let this mechanical rabbit go and the dogs start chasing it. And the mechanical rabbit has a mechanical malfunction. And the mechanical rabbit explodes and fur and wire go everywhere on the track. As you can imagine, the dogs, they don't know what to do because they thought they were chasing a real rabbit. And now that thing exploded in front of their eyes. And so here's what they did. Some of them just laid down and decided to take a nap. Others of them just looked at the crowd and started roo, 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 barking at people. And then some of them actually ran through the wall and got hurt. And I thought, what a good picture of humanity. If you find yourself chasing the wrong thing, you're either gonna get real lazy, bark at everybody else, or hurt yourself. Like you just get to the point where now you don't know why, why you do what you do. You're chasing something that's not real. So I think a lot of you know there's something more. You just don't know what the more really is. And you've lived your life thinking it was found in stuff or money or possessions or the American dream. But then if that was the case, then why are you not content? Why, when you got that house and that job and made the money that you dreamed of making, tell me why there's something still missing. You were made for more. My prayer is that you would pray what, what David said in Psalm 139, that you would realize that, you, that God made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. And I love what he says, he says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. Watch what he says. How well I know it. There's that word again. David knew his design and he knew his designer. 
And the question is, do you? Do you know why you are made? So maybe the next step you take in discovering your purpose, this is why we do essentials. Have a lot of people who've been coming to church here for a long time that we've been like, you have to go through essentials. You have to go through essentials. You have to go through essentials. People, I don't get it. Why? This is why. Because you are a part of the body of Christ. And we all got different backgrounds and we're all seeing it through different places. And you come in with your tradition and your background and your pain and your relationships. And what we're trying to do is all get on the same page. And let me tell you why. Because the devil don't fear a fast growing church. The devil fears a united church. So I'm just trying to get us all on the same page and help you figure out what does it mean to become a member so that you can actually flourish in life. So that's step one. Starts next week during the 11 a.m. You can stay right after this service next week and go to it. And you can choose to become a member and decide to plant yourself in the house. Then the second step is you'll actually discover your design. You hear an abbreviated version of what I'm telling you right now. We give you a personality test. We give you a spiritual gifts test. Just try to get you started figuring out why you were made. So then you can join a team. I don't want you to just serve to serve. I want you to know why you were made so you can do what God put, on, put you on this planet to do. And that's to serve other people. And here's why. You may want to take that step because you never can do the fourth one until you do. And here's the final step God wants from your life. And it's to make a difference. So here they are, I want you to follow Jesus and find community and discover purpose so that together we can know what it means to make a difference. Look at me, you were made to make a difference. There's something in you that was meant for the world around you. That's why Paul says that you and I are Christ's ambassadors. Do you understand that the way that God wants to reach the world, that God wants to reach this country, that God wants to reach the city, the, the way that God wants to reach your neighbor across the street or the person in the cubicle next to you, the way he wants to reach your family, do you understand that that way he wants to do it is through you? And so you're created to make a difference in the life of other people. It's why when you do it, it's why when you choose to be a blessing, God actually uses it to bless you because God wired you that way. There's a reason you come alive inside when you know you made a difference in the life of somebody else. There's a reason those nights that you're tired and you lay down and you did something significant with your life. You lay down and you're tired, but you're grateful because you knew today I did the thing I was made to do. And I want you to know what that kind of tired looks like. Not the tired of the pursuit of things that don't matter, but the tired that comes from when you're doing the only thing God made you to do. So here's my job, and it's, it's, it's really difficult. And I know I've been kind of shouting a little loud, and I said I was gonna to try to stay calm. So one of the hardest things I have to do is figure out how to communicate things that, that just there's a fire in my stomach for. And how do I say challenging and difficult things with a smile on my face? Not to sell you something, because I have zero interest in you doing my agenda, but I have every interest in the world to get you on God's agenda and to create an environment where you can be planted and your family can grow up and your kids can hear about Jesus, not getting babysat, where they can, they can make friends and they can learn what it means to have fun in church, because fun is the way to a kid's heart, by the way, so that Jesus can transform it. You, you're made to make a difference and, and it's the most challenging thing I have to do. So I'm gonna say this as nicely as I can 
it is time for you to get moving. It is time for you to stop being a consumer and start being a contributor. It is time for you to stop church hopping and plant yourself in the house because it's in the house where you can flourish in life. And I just wanna challenge you, it's time for us to move because people are moving here. And I just imagine Jesus standing up on this hill with a crowd much larger than this and disciples he loved. As he looked out at them in Matthew chapter nine, and he says, as he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So it says he turned to his disciples and here's what he said to them. Here's what I'm saying to you today. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So then he says, I want you to pray and ask the Lord therefore to send out workers into the harvest field. And that's what I'm asking from you. We need you. This church is growing and we need you to do your part so that we don't cause church hurt, so that we can function the way God wants us to function, so we can reach who God wants us to reach. Because listen, the world is moving here, by the way. You don't have to get on a plane ride to go make a difference. There's people moving here, thousands of people moving here, hundreds of people that you know, that you pass by every day, people you work with, people in your family, people on your ball teams, people at the dance recital. And here's the deal, they don't know what it means to really follow God and they're still stuck in their past and they haven't found freedom and they can't see the forward and movement and they can't see the plan God has for them because their eyes are still looking in the wrong direction. And they're not making a difference with their life. They don't know why they were made. And maybe just maybe God brought you here today to wake something up in you to help you see it's time for you and I to make a difference in a city that is far from God so they can be raised to life in Jesus. Can I get an amen? Come on, stand to your feet with me. Come on, it's, it's time for you and I to make a difference. It's time for you and I to serve. It's time for you and I to become awakened to the things of God so that people can know Him. We're praying for revival in this city, but we're praying for revival first and foremost in you so people can find freedom. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church slash give. Have a blessed day.